Okay. So before we begin then, let us all take a moment to remind ourselves how fortunate we are to be here as human beings in the presence of the Noble Triple Gem. The only place where being present really matters anywhere else and it's just a waste of time, as you know. And that is for no other reason than the fact that we are here to do one thing. And that one thing is what we remind ourselves, or we will remind ourselves in just a moment. This is a pledge that we take, an oath that we take for our salvation, our liberation. Just as much as it is a homage to the perfect one, the most magnificent one, the unvanquished and the undefeated one. These are virtues that he instilled within himself and he bestowed upon us. He gave us a path to achieve these very virtues and qualities that he himself achieved. Such that in taking homage, we ourselves can become unvanquished ones, undefeated ones, liberated ones. Let us take a moment to pay homage to the Supreme Buddha. Namo tasse bhagavato arhato samma sambuddhasse Namo tasse bhagavato arhato samma sambuddhasse Namo tasse bhagavato arhato I've noticed I get this cough on a Saturday. So, I can't say it's not you, it's me. But I've figured what it is. It's the dryness in the air once you switch on the air conditioning. That's how I always get it on a Saturday. And no other day, no other time. Which again goes to prove that in the presence of the right factors, you can't control what materializes, what manifests. It is all down to cause and effect. I don't want to be coughing in front of you because I know every time I do that, they have to edit it out of the sermon that goes online. It's another task that they have to do, but I can't help it. So we are all simply the results of the, of the environment, the causes. It is understanding that that will liberate us. So we are here to do that. We are here to, be, to become one with nature. Those words sound so simple, yet the truth is, this is the hardest thing to do. We are a strange kind of species. This species that are sentient beings. We are a very strange kind of species. We are part of nature, but we struggle to be one with it. We are part of nature, aren't we? It was nature that brought us into being. But there is something about us that makes us feel that we are very different from nature. We feel that we are supreme, don't we? 
when we study animals, or biology, science, whatever, they teach us that human beings are the most supreme among all beings. There is some truth in that if you take it the right way, but I think what they mean is we are all very different. We feel very special. We feel very unique. And as much as from some perspectives that could be a blessing, in many others it is actually a curse. This feeling that we are supreme, we are very special, we are above and beyond all other beings. We keep on fostering that, we keep on nourishing that. And although we feel that we are an advanced species, we are above all, some of the things we do, it begs the question, are we really all that special? Today I want to talk about some things like that. And I think today will be quite interesting for our young listeners as well. Because I want to talk about something that affects us all. Young, old, elderly, male, female, boys and girls, men and women, all of us. If you are a human being, then this affects you. This affects you in good ways, it affects you in bad ways. But its effects are there nonetheless. And the moment I spell it out to you, you won't be able to stop yourself from thinking of some of these that you would want to instill and incorporate into your lives and others that you would want to try and get out of. Any guesses? They're called habits. So first of all, do you all have habits? Do you? Habits, as I said, there are good ones and there are bad ones. I don't think there's any human being who hasn't picked up a habit somewhere along the way. Because after all, we are creatures of habit. Where we end up in life, folks, truly is determined by the habits that we pick up along the way. That is so true. I used to read about these habits and how habit engineering, how habits come into being, how habits can be... They say habits cannot be broken, they can only be replaced. And there is truth in that. But there were all sorts of gimmicks, all sorts of fancy methods and techniques that I used to learn in these books. Personal effectiveness, personal development, leadership and so on. Seminars, talks, TED Talks, you name it. They talked a lot about these habits because really your habits have a huge influence on where you end up in life. Let's take a really simple example. You know the old saying, a mass bar a day keeps the doctor away, right? No? Did I not say that? What is it then? An apple a day, thank you. 
not a mass paradise. So in case you took that down, strike it out. It's not a mass paradise. I know you guys are like, Ami, Ami. So Ami Nuhansi said, it's a mass paradise. Everyone heard that? An apple a day keeps the doctor away? Yeah, so that's a habit. So what they're saying there, what, it, what is meant by that is, if you have good eating habits, hmm, then generally you'll end up a healthy person. If you take a walk around the block after a meal, that's a good habit to get into, isn't it? What are some of the other good habits that you might have? Now, some some of them could be spiritually uplifting. Others could be just you know general good habits that you have that help you lead a healthy, wholesome life. Waking up early in the morning, that's a good habit. Going to bed before it's you know before it's too late, so not staying up too late <clears throat> is a good habit. How many of you are guilty of that? The thing is, the world we live in, the environment we live in, has changed our habits a lot, hasn't it? External factors, we like to blame the external factors, don't we? We are so good at that. How do I know this? <laughs> ah, let's not, let's not talk about that. It would be embarrassing. Chewing gum, no, not the noun, the verb. Chewing gum, that's a habit. Good habit or bad habit, what do you think? <clears throat> it used to be a fad some years ago. I don't think young children chew gum a lot these days, do they? No. So that's good, they've gotten out of that habit. There's a lovely... Uh, Idiom in Sinhalese. I'll give you the literal translation. You give up the ginger and you take the chili. So, smoking is a habit. Hmm? Now I'm talking about habits. I want you to start thinking about what sort of habits you might have. Good habits, bad habits. Now, before we go any further, you might wonder, what is the relevance of all of this? To Anibbana, I thought we are here to Namotasa Bhagavatu Arahato Sammasambuddhasa. What's all this about habits? Little do you realize perhaps that it is all about habits. We talk about consistency. Guru Thero is always going on about that. You may have heard in his sermons. Because consistency helps to build habits. That's what it does. Once something becomes a habit, you can let the habit take over. That's the beauty of habits, folks. I'm about to teach you something that will really empower your lives. This is not just a good sales pitch, I promise you. If you are in the habit of saving 10% of whatever you earned, like it is said in the books, The Richest Man in Babylon, if anyone of you have read that, usually one of the very first books we read, Personal Effectiveness, Productivity and Self-Development and so on, they say 10% of what you earn, you first set aside whatever you earn. 
These are good habits to get into. Again, you'll ask, Swami Nuhansa, is this a how to become successful in life sermon or a how do I attend Nibbana sermon? Have I turned up to the wrong class? No, no, it's still Saturday morning, not to worry. But I'm, as I said, you know, this will be interesting to our young doers and putas as well, as much as the senior doers and putas. So good habits and bad habits. This can remind some people of some habits. Hmm? Have you seen people chewing beetle? Hmm? That's a habit. They'll say it's an addiction. Some people will say it's an addiction. I, I just can't give it up. That's true, you know. I can't give it up. That is so true. I can't give it up because it wasn't I who picked it up. So it's true. I completely agree. The reason I'm talking to you about habits today is because it will have a huge influence on how your life progresses, where you end up in life. So young children, it's very important that you pick up the right habits. Waking up in the morning, so early in the morning is a really good habit. You have the whole day ahead of you. And there's a really good vibe at that time. At our monastery, we wake up at four in the morning. I don't know if that's a bit of a put-off for some of you who are planning to come. No, but we go to bed before it's too late at night. So we give ourselves plenty of rest. We wake up at four in the morning because at that time, the environment is very conducive to what we want to do. Not a lot going on. No botherations, no annoyances, no music playing in the background. There's not a gig in town that plays till four o'clock in the morning. So it's generally a good time for you to reflect on the important things in life, to plan your day ahead. And then, a really, really, really good habit to get into. So I'm still talking about good habits and I'll explain to you why these habits are important and what their relevance is on your practical path to Nibbana. So I will come to that in just a moment. A really, really, really good habit to get into. First thing you wake up in the morning is what? What do you think? No, it's not running to the toilet. What do you think it is? Making Indeed, madam. Making your bed. An incredibly powerful and productive habit to get into. Making your bed first thing in the morning. That's what I do. The moment I get out of bed, so I, as soon as I open my eyes, my arms go up to my forehead, together clasped, and I worship the Supreme One. I then turn around, put my feet on the ground, and as Guru Andhra has instructed me to do, I make a resolve that I shall conduct my day to benefit all sentient beings. I get up, turn around, and then make my bed. That's always the way it is. From the pillowcase to the bedsheet, 
That's all I have because everything else is this. Very versatile. I make my bed. There are really, really good reasons why these are very supportive, incredibly supportive to help build a very powerful persona, personality within yourselves. Because it gives you a a nice dose of smartness, neatness, cleanliness, all the good stuff, the positive stuff. This is two-dimensional, indeed. I haven't started delving into analyzing the three-dimensional truth behind it just yet. We'll come to that in a moment. But I invite all of you, if your first thing you do in the morning is not making your bed, I suggest and I invite all of you to do that. Very first thing. Now then from there on, you will all have different habits that you do. So some of you, it might be going to the kitchen, putting on the kettle. Hmm? For some of you, it might be drinking seven glasses of water. It's a habit. And it's a habit that is well regarded. Health experts, specialists say that it's a good habit to get into. And it is. But before I drink my seven glasses of water, what I do is I offer one glass to the Supreme Buddha. So I don't take any water or anything before I do that. Because whatever the first offering I want to do in the day is that offering to the Almighty One, the magnificently graceful One, the merciful One. And I make one resolve. As the water in this glass is so cool and clear, I resolve that by making this offering, whatever merits I can earn, may I reflect on the nature of this mind, realize the truth, so that my mind becomes like this water in this glass. Cool and clear. Some of you might wish to offer a warm glass of water and that's perfectly fine as well. That's perfectly fine as well. So that's the first thing I do after I've made my bed. Then after that, for some of you it might be going to their children's bedroom and waking up your children. For others, it might be picking up the broom, sweeping the house. Others, it might be going to the washroom, taking a shower, brushing your teeth. Whatever it is, you have these habits. So what do I do? I take my prayer mat, lay it down in front of the Buddha, and I worship. And then I turn 90 degrees to my left, which is roughly where Guru Hamdru resides in the adjacent Kuti. And I worship my teacher. So that's how I start my day. These are all habits. When I first started them out, I had to think about them. 
I had to carefully orchestrate them. Next thing, after the next thing, after the next thing, what do I do now? What do I do next? But I've been doing it for so long that it has become automagical. Auto what? Automagical. It has become automagical now. Auto because I don't even have to think about it. Magical because magical things have started to happen in my life. As a result of that. How you start your day is very, very important, folks. Whether you look at it from a worldly perspective or the perspective of leading a spiritual life. And then generally at the monastery, we have our morning that starts at 4 o'clock where we all get together, offer the Buddha Puja, observe precepts, the high ordained monks make their confessions. We chant the Upali Sutta, we chant some Pirit, we remind ourselves again and again why we ordained, what we are here for. We transfer merits right from those who sacrifice their lives for us to be here and practice what we do today, all the way down to our parents and all of you who go to great lengths to ensure that we are able to practice the path without worrying about anything at all. So that is how we start our day. Now I want you to take a moment and think about how you start your day. <clears throat> what are your routines? What are your habits? Trust me, these habits will determine where you end up 5 years, 10 years, 15, 20 years from now. I started doing some of these even way before I decided to ordain. As a lay person, when I first heard the Dhamma from Deshakatuma at the time, Guru Handru before he ordained as a lay person, I began to understand at least a, a tiny bit about who the Buddha was, about the Dhamma, the Sangha, and what they represent. Until then, I thought, the Buddha in my life was Einstein. The Zariputta Theras, the Moggallana Theras in my life were Rutherfords and Fleming Bells. These were the heroes in my life. Until I realized that heroes also need heroes. So when you pick a superhero, you need to pick the right one. So from that point, I started to pick up some new habits. And those habits, look where that got me. Doesn't look like it's done a lot of wrong to me, does it? No.
What about bad habits? <clears throat> I'll name a few, okay, to save you the embarrassment, and you can mentally give yourself a a mark whether you've got this or you haven't got this, right? Let's think of a few. How do I know about this? Okay, okay, okay. You know, there's that amazing invention. Every alarm, well, most alarm clocks have it. It's an incredible invention. It's, you know, it's the most amazing, amazing thing next to sliced bread. Do you know what it is? Ah, yes. You know it. It's called the snooze button. It's a fantastic invention, isn't it? Whoever came up with that idea? Don't you just love them? <laughs> so this snooze button. I mean, if you if you have an alarm clock at home, you know, look at because you know these because most of them are made of plastic, whatever, right? The more you use them, they'll show some wear. Yeah. So when you get home, take your alarm clock and see which button has the most wear on it. Hmm. That button's the source button. So in case you know the the writing, the inscription has worn off, and you're not able to find which one it is, it's the one that has the most wear on it. That's the snooze button. Because without fail, that button got a lot of use. This is a habit. Now I want you to ask yourselves, do you have this habit? And if you want to break out of it, I have the method. I have the trick. I can help you do that. <clears throat> because now we understand how the mind works. We are at the university of the mind where we understand, analyze, reflect, contemplate, slice, dice, chop, and really understand how the mind works. After all, you know, habits are acquired behaviors. They're not biological. Don't let anyone fool you to think that habits are biological. They're not biochemical. They're acquired. You pick them up. You can drop them. They're difficult to pick up. They're difficult to drop. That I'll agree. But nonetheless, they're not biological. As much as you might feel on occasions that they are part and parcel of who you are and you know, sw swap your, rather stop your habits and you will cease to exist. You won't be able to breathe and your heart will stop pumping. As much as you might feel that way, that is not true. See, some habits that you have, I don't. And look, I'm doing just fine. Some habits I have, you don't. And look, you're doing just fine. So that's nose button, that's a habit. Now if that's one bad habit, there's another, the counterpart of that. One habit that I found a tough time getting out of myself, that was, you go to bed with your phone so you can set the alarm. Hmm? End that right. Why you go to bed with the phone? So you can set the alarm. But you know, these days phones are very smart, aren't they? 
Phones are very smart because their users are very dumb. I mean, let's you know, you've got to work out the logic, right? If you you know, when you see a pen, you know that a pen has been invented because its user cannot do anything without it. Do what it what it can do without it, right? That's why they invent the pen. Right? So they invent a microphone because its intended user cannot do what it can do without it. Now tell me about smartphones. Anything that has the word smart in it. (laughs) Doesn't that just scream out loud the nature of the person using it? So it's there to complement what its user doesn't have. What is that? Smartness. So, smartphone, you generally go into bed, get into bed with your smartphone, you want to set the alarm. And usually... You know, the smartphones have a habit. Well, you say they have a habit, you have a habit, whichever way you want to look at it. It's difficult to switch off the display once you switch it on. Hmm? Agreed? Yes. So normally when you switch that on, and it's got these little icons on it. They're called apps. Hmm? And usually, smartphones are so advanced these days, you can have lots of them nicely uh, organized alongside each other. So you can have your favorite apps just next to each other. So, you know, there's one app called the Clock App. Isn't there? There's there's one app called the Clock App. And the thing with smartphones is you can have the Facebook app right next to the Clock App. Did you know you can do that? Did you know that? You can do that. You can actually have the Facebook app right next to the clock app. You can also have the Instagram app right next to the Facebook app. Beautiful. So incredible. You can also have the WhatsApp app alongside that. Then you can have the train run app next to that. Then you can have, uh, what's this, Warcraft? You can have Minecraft immediately next to that. Amazing things, these smartphones. They're so smart. Uh-huh. So smart they are. So I used to have this habit of... I wasn't big into gaming. The only games I played was when I was in grade 7. And then after that I fell out of love with games. But I was more interested in finding out about the world. There was an app called the BBC app. There's an app called the Wikipedia app. There's an app called uh, Everything You Want, You Need to Know Before You Die app. Amazing little things there. So I had these apps on my phone and normally I'll tell you what I used to do, right? So, Say I go, used to go to bed at 10 o'clock. So I'd give myself about 6 to 7 hours of sleep. And then I'd time myself to wake up, uh, say at uh, uh, 6 o'clock in the morning, or maybe 5 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the morning, whatever. Right? <clears throat> so I'd set the alarm, because that's what I picked up the phone to do, to set the alarm. And then, although the next thing I'm supposed to do 
we switch off that display because one tap on the power button and the display goes out. Yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. But generally what happens is there are these these annoying little apps next to the clock app, like the ones I just called out earlier. So there's a tendency for your finger to tap on them like as if by mistake. As if by mistake, you know, then they're, they're hardly deliberate. I swear to you, they're hardly deliberate. It's almost by mistake. I, you're, you, I, may, I mean to switch it off, but, you know, as I slide my finger up to the off button, it generally stops somewhere along the way on this thing called the Facebook app. So you tap on that. And the rest is history. I'll tell you what happens after that. Sometime later, you know, like they have in these films, sometime later, right? A few days later. So this is usually sometime later, not a few days later. Sometime later, I'll go back into the alarm app. Why are you laughing? Because the doctor says I should get myself at least six to seven hours of sleep. Hmm? So I have to go back into the alarm app now. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Now you have to go back into the alarm app because if you were to sleep now and wake up at the time that you had set, you're not going to get yourself six hours of sleep. More like four or three hours of sleep. Now where did those hours go? Who knows? They just seem to disappear into the ether. <laughs> I swear to you, the last time I switched on the alarm app, it said the alarm is going to go off in six hours. This time you go back into it and it says it's going to go off in three and a half hours. How it does that is mind-boggling. I haven't the foggiest idea how it manages to do that. So what do you have to do now? You have to reset the alarm. Of course. Because doctor says... You have to give yourself at least six hours of sleep. The doctor also says something else. If you expose yourself to blue light on a small screen, then you'll have a tough time falling asleep after that. But those are little in, in, uh, inconveniences that we choose to ignore, you know, when we feel like it. So now you've been looking at the screen for a few hours, Right? And it's going to be a tough time shutting those eyelids and getting any sleep. But you do try. So you reset the alarm. So you were supposed to wake up at 6. Now you can't wake up at 6 and give yourself your 6 hours. So you have to set it to about 9 o'clock in the morning. Hmm? So you do that. For those of you who are not fortunate enough to do that, because your time, your day is organized by someone else, such as the school van, or your boss, hmm? or the staff service, huh? or your children, hmm? or your husband, or your wife, or the milkman. Right? Those of you whose day, who, who's the beginning of whose days are organized by other people, you can't shift that wake-up time. Therefore, what happens? You can only now give yourself a few hours of sleep and you wake up in the morning with a what headache? A what headache? It's called a splitting headache. 
Anyone from Mars? Or can you all sympathize with this? You all know where I'm coming from? All been there, done that? Hmm? Gone to the gig, bought the t-shirt? You know what I mean then. <clears throat> These are habits. Habits that you can either get into or come out of. I promise you. Because I found the trick. These apps, they've been designed that once you're in it, it's very difficult to get out of it. That is how they're designed. YouTube had these things called shorts. Recent invention, right? Shorts, yeah. YouTube shorts. And if you've ever used them, generally, all you need is one swipe. And you don't, half a swipe is enough. Actually, in fact, a third of a swipe is enough. Even if you, even if you tap on it by mistake, it will quickly go on to the next one. And they've been so elaborately, so deliberately designed that they've studied how much your attention span is. Generally less than a minute nowadays. Right? And in very short clips, they'll keep you glued to the app so there's no getting out of it. Is that bad? No, that's not for us to decide whether it's good or bad. Nothing in this world is good or bad. Intention is the only determiner of whether something is good or bad. No other. And the same goes for Facebook. I don't find myself on there anymore, but I remember from when I used to use it. Facebook, you, you know, there's this thing called the wall. Yeah? The wall that never ends. It's not a wall, it's like a waterfall. Never ends, right? You just keep on dragging and it'll just keep on going. There's no end to this. You can't get to the, you can't scroll yourself to the end of this. It'll just keep on going. Good or bad? Uh, there's no good or bad. Only intentions are good or bad. There are, there's young children in the house who I know if you don't arm yourselves with this, with what I'm about to explain to you, dear children, you will fall prey. And before you know it, many hours, days and weeks of your life will just pass you by. Will just pass you by. If you don't know what I'm talking about, speak to the adults. Speak to your elders. Perhaps your elders didn't have all this because in their formative years it wasn't so freely available. But now it has all proliferated. It's there, here, there and everywhere. And keeping on top of it is simply next to impossible. Now there will be already habits that you have gotten yourselves into. These are just but a few. There are some other habits. Such as shaking your legs. Yes. Biting your, we call it wagging your tail at the monastery. You should, come soon, you will find out. <laughs> Whenever I see someone shaking their legs, I say, stop wagging your tail. Who's got a tail? Who, who, who have seen wagging tails? Human beings? No. So that's a very endearing uh, insult. These are habits. Sometimes we don't even know we're doing it. We don't know we're doing it. But we can... Make ourselves aware of them and take control. 
So that's not a simple answer. I'll explain to you how it happens. There's a three-dimensional explanation of how these habits, habits work. Because really, what they are, are paths. These are ingrained paths. These are patterns that have been built over time with very little resistance. The mind is always looking for something. <clears throat> and by now you know that this, there's a wonderful word that we use for it. This is separation. Some of the habits that we pick up, in fact all of them, it feeds our need for separation. Let me give a very simple example while we're on the point. Shaking your legs. Hmm? You can't tell me you do it for exercise. I don't buy that. It's a habit I used to have. So I can speak first-hand experience. It didn't give me any, ex any exercise. Didn't save me from having to go to the gym. I still had to. So that's not for exercise. Some will say it's because I find it un uncomfortable sitting here. This seat is uncomfortable. So therefore, you know, wagging my tail or rather shaking my legs makes it just that little bit more comfortable. No. If you think about it, biologically, some might say it helps with the blood circulation. Come on. Chupkaro. Enough of that already. I'll start with Hindi. Spanish next. Have you picked up a language yet? Hmm? Hmm, good. So, right, back to wagging your tail. No, sorry, what? Shaking your legs. What does it offer you? It offers you packets, tiny packets of sensations. Not one constant stream, because that would be too boring. What would be even better would be tiny packets of sensation. Because you go one, and then go two. Then go one, and two, and one, and two. Right? And after you pick up the pace, one, two, one, two, one, two. Huh? What do you have now? Tiny packets of separation. That's usually something we do when we are bored. Some other things we do when we are bored... Fiddling with your thumbs. Oh. Cracking your knuckles. Hmm? 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 Even better. Typewriter. Hmm? Biting your fingernails. Habits. Today I want you to look at them from a different perspective. Why do you do these things? Because this is not a bodily requirement. This is not a physical need that you have. This is all mental. Without you even knowing it, you pick them up. And now you can't give it up. Or at least you think you can't. The truth is you can once you work out what's really going on under the bonnet. These are all habits. These habits feed your mind's urge 
to experience a separated world. As I say, one of the very best inventions ever to, that has helped us to separate this world, break it down into tiny micro things, is this fancy thing. What does it let you do? Divide the indivisible. Time is simply an illusion. Look at how far we've come. We've not only created an illusion, we have even managed to split it up into days, hours, minutes, seconds, microseconds, and so on. Because what does that clock allow you to do? What does it help you do? Experience a separated world. That's why when you get bored, where do you normally look? Hmm? At the palm of your hand? Where do you normally look when you're bored? Say you're in a lecture, you're in a sermon, hmm? and you're bored. You're bored as hell. Where do you normally look? At the clock. Because the clock gives you an indication that it's okay, it's alright, there's separation, don't worry, don't you worry. That's what the clock lets you do. It helps you to separate time. Because when you first look at it, it said 6.35. You looked at it five minutes later, or actually what felt like 10 years later, and it's 6.36. Been there? Yeah. One minute gone. And you ask, why is time so slow? I want more separation. Give me more separation. That's what the mind's looking for. But anyhow, back to the topic of habits. <clears throat> there are some other habits. Like digging for gold. Huh? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <clears throat> hmm? Where do people normally dig for gold? There's a special orifice about your face, in and around your face. People usually go there looking for gold. Sometimes you hit jackpot. Sometimes you come back empty-handed. Pardon the pun. Huh? Habits. Some people will even go further. Right? On a really good day, you might even want to feel like in case you're curious. Hmm, I wonder what that tastes like. Don't you love? People do this sort of thing. I've lived long enough to see people do this sort of thing. These are all habits. Smoking is a habit. Any of you here who are smokers and you feel, oh, you know someone who's a smoker, right? Or maybe a drinker. Someone who's a, who, who drinks. These are habits. Okay, I'll give it that the body has a way of um, adjusting to it and it becomes part of your biochemistry and you need the nicotine fix. You need the alcohol just to you know keep your spirits high, whatever. But there is a mental element to it, a really strong, significantly proportionate one. There is a strong mental element to it and that part you can break. If you start with that, the remainder will work. Because remember, there was a point in life 
where you went without any of these things. So it's fair to say your body doesn't need it. And there are those who are rehabilitated. And they're doing just fine. We have among our, our ranks those who used to do drugs. And they're just fine. We have among us those who used to drink like fish. And now they're just fine. Oh, well, you know, they're fine. They thought it was going to be almost impossible to give them up, but today they're doing just fine. Hmm. 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 Your body. Hmm. I've heard of them, yes. In fact, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, the other day I was, uh, I found myself on a, some, uh, what was it, a journal or something, I think uh, written by some famous psychologist, uh, if I remember right. I just, I was just interested how people deal with this problem of habits and, or, or rather, uh, you know, the, 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 the seek for pleasure and how they can break out of it in case they, they feel that it's, it's, uh, it's not righteous and they want, they feel that it's a bad habit or it's something bad. It's terrible. They want to break out of it. And I'm glad you mentioned it because that was down as one of the, the best methods of breaking these bad habits. Have a taser and, you know, either you tase yourself once you, so it's a form of you punish yourself. Or if it's intelligent enough, it picks up when you have actually done it and then it, it does the tasing for you on your behalf. But, you know, again, this is a physical punishment. So you're trying to replace a bad habit with pain. You know, that's how people train animals. Isn't it? How do you, how did you teach your dog? It's a bad thing to come and do his poo-poo in the, in the middle of your living room. You didn't take it and keep it sit, sit it, sit it down and give it a good lesson, did you? Right? Tommy, listen to me. It's not going to work out like this. You didn't do that. Right? I've seen what, what some people do is it take the dog by the neck, right? And go and force its head onto the deposit right? and say, if you do this again, you're going to have to be like this for an hour, right? So you better learn that this is not acceptable. We do not do this in the middle of the living room. So they teach their dogs, their pets, cats, dogs and so on, not to do that in the living room. But this is punishment. This is physical punishment. It's how parents today know how to bring up their children. Beat them, hit them, kick them, slap them, torture them essentially. It's okay when, you know, people don't have the ability to or the intelligence to understand something. But, you know, I'm talking about mature individuals who can understand the Dhamma, who can understand, who've got basic common sense. And once you understand the mechanism behind this, folks, you can re-engineer yourself. And really, I, all I'm trying to do here today is to empower you, help you learn about these things called habits, and then make some conscious decisions about which ones you want to stop, which ones you want to continue, which ones you want to pick up. 
Because why? Why? Because your habits will determine where you end up in life. It's not the things that you do every now and then that will determine where you end up in life. It is the habits. That's why they say, you know, it's from time to time you can treat yourself. Right? You can indulge yourself from time to time in a chocolate, you know, a bottle of wine. That, that's not advice from me, by the way. I'm just saying people do that. Okay? Right? From time to time, people treat themselves to a sweet, to a delicacy, to something savory, something fatty, you know, something like that. You go to a restaurant, you know, and you know, obviously they don't cook healthy in every restaurant, but it's 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 an indulgence you can have from time to time. But if you do it every day, what happens then? If you if you train yourself, if you habitize yourself to a dinner from McDonald's every day, what do you think is going to happen? You know what's going to happen. I don't need to spell it out to you. All you need is to take the back of that and look at the ingredients, or, or rather the, the, the nutritional value of the various things. Right? So it's not the every once in a while that determines what happens to you. It's these habits. So now I want you to think of a habit that you want to break. Think of one. I'm sure you'll all have plenty. Think of one habit that you'd like to come out of. Because with that in mind, I want you to listen to the next half of what I want to say. So it could be biting your fingernails. It could be using your smartphone. It could be getting into bed with the intention of going to sleep, but then you pick up your smartphone to set the alarm is what you tell yourself. But you know, before you know it, you're playing games, you're reading the news, you're watching YouTube, and you're lost. Right? It could be waking up, it could be, oh, it could even be, you know, there's a wonderful device that you have at home about 60 inches uh, diagonal. What's it called? The, the monstrous thing that you have at home. Guru Handra calls it the Hunyam Petya. Hmm? The thing, <laughs> yes, the TV. Yeah. So some people have a habit, the moment they come back home from work, they switch on the television. Yes or no? You'll have seen this. Sometimes they know that this is not helpful, but they can't break it. They just can't break it. Sometimes it can be reading the newspaper. Now, I used to have this habit. Like I said, I was very inquisitive about what goes on around the world. I wanted to find out more. I was very, I was, always wanted to learn about something, but you know, it wasn't always necessary important stuff. One of the worst things you can do to yourself is read the newspaper in the first thing in the morning. Trust me. It's one of the worst things you can do. Read the newspaper in the morning, especially if it's the, if you know, if it's if it's nothing educational, if it's just about what goes on around the world, you know, this country is fighting with that country, these things have gone up, those things have gone down, you know, this is what's happening, that is what's happening, you know, it's just the gossip of the world, those you know tabloids or whatever. It's one of the worst things you can do. Read a good book, fair enough, but if it's just day-to-day -day news, it's one of the worst things you can do to yourself. Successful people don't do that. They don't read the newspaper first thing in the morning. Although, on television, they'll show you that that's what they do. That's not what they do. When they want to market their merchandise, their wares, that's what they'll do. They'll show you that the first thing a successful man will do is wake up in the morning, drinks a glass of orange juice, right? <laughs> and then next to that will be the newspaper that will say, something times. No, that's not what they do. It's not the first thing that they do uh, in the morning. 
I used to have that habit. When I used to get on the tube to get to work, they have these free newspapers. Call it the Metro. And on the way back, you get another newspaper. And I can't remember what it's called now. Or the Independent or whatever. Yeah. Everything but. <laughs> it was a free newspaper. Please remember, anytime something's free, okay, put this into your heads and stick it. Don't ever forget this. Anytime something is free, you are the commodity that is being sold. Do you know why Facebook is free? You're what's being sold. Okay, so there was a free newspaper. On it, it had all the gossip in town. It had a bit of news, but reading that never added anything to my life. But I just got into the habit of it because everyone was doing it. And it was so accessible. They kept it right by the gates. So as you walk in, run to the station, you can always pick one up. And they keep it just the right height, always stacked up. Hmm. I'm not saying metro is good or bad. I'm just saying for someone who wants to make good use of their lives, personally, that was a waste of many, many, many hours of my commute. Many hours. I wish I could get it all back. But unfortunately, I can't now. It's too late for that. So that could be one of your habits. Watching TV, reading the news. Maybe on the way to work, you've gotten into the habit of switching on the radio. And now you just can't break it. Maybe it's listening to music. You, you know, I, <clears throat> this is All of this, please take it in the right mind. I'm giving you these this, this pieces of advice. Assuming that these are things that you want to change in your life. If it may be that you really want to start reading the newspaper, then you just have to do the opposite of that. So, let me get into the mechanics of this. Yes, Buddha? Ah, what's the intention? That is the only thing that matters, isn't it? So, you got to, if, if, you know, if, if your intention is good, then you will pick the right kind of book, won't you? There are good books. And there are bad books. So if you pick a good book, that could be a good idea. But if you pick a bad book, then you will have nightmares. Right, let's get into the mechanics of it. We have lots to do today. I have to play Scrabble with you as well. See? I came prepared for a game or two. Right, before we do that, let's work through the mechanics of these habits. Now, I said right at the beginning, when people say, I can't drop this habit, that is spot on. I can't drop this habit, spot on. Why? Exactly. If it wasn't you who picked it up, then how can you drop it? Hmm? See, I've got this in my hand. Can you drop it, Putta? No, because it's not you who's got it in your hand. I have, right? So, I didn't pick up habits. Let's get it straight. And it is not for me to drop habits. But, but there are things called habits. Yes, well, this is how it works. We know that the way the mind works is we have 
a pen that doesn't write. Try the other one. No, that's better. <clears throat> this is your pool of Vipaka. Okay. Now bear with me while I go through the whole story. Then you can ask your questions. <clears throat> this is your pool of Vipaka. Now, although I say this is a pool of Vipaka, I want you to understand that there is no such pool that exists. Hmm? This is an energy. So, we know that Vipaka are three types. Let's take one example. This sight. And for sight to happen, for the sight to come into contact, uh, well, let's say there's a rupa. Okay, so that's the object. Come into, comes into contact with eye. Okay. And together they give you sight. Okay, so this is where the chitta is born. Eye consciousness or sight consciousness, however you want to call it. All of these three things are vipaka. Meaning, this is an energy that brings this about. This is plentiful. Take another one. Sound and yeah. Hearing. This is Vipaka, this is Vipaka, and this is also Vipaka. Okay? They're called Vipaka because they don't have the potential to produce anything. So they're not viable. Have you heard the expression viable offspring? Something we learn in biology. Viable offspring is when two animals mate. Okay, If the offspring can also then produce, then that's a viable offspring. So a classic example is uh, donkeys and... Uh, what are them? Donkeys and zebras. Horses, yes. They mate and then they produce mules. Yeah. And they are not viable. So a mule can't then go on to become a parent. So it, it cannot produce offspring. So vipaka are not viable. Meaning, they can manifest. This energy can manifest as rupa, eye or sight. Sound, ear, hearing, two examples. You can of course work out the rest. But this is not viable. In other words, vipaka cannot go on to produce any more vipaka. So once this has been consumed, that's it. Okay, it's like imagine a matchstick. You light it, and once it burns out, it's burnt out. The energy that came out of that does not create another matchstick. Okay, in similar terms, this is what happens. That's vipaka. 
Now, this is the mind of the uh, hearing consciousness or the ear consciousness, which have you so you can do we call this uh, chakku vinyana, sota vinyana, and so on. <clears throat> this is what happens inside this mass, this body mass that you are. We know that we are mind and body. Okay? Within this body mass, this process just keeps on happening. We've been through this time and time again. This is simply a helpful reminder. Now, let's take a, a simple habit. This mind, or this chitta rather, arises in the crucible that is the mind. So remember the chitta arises in the in a base. Let's call it the base. So I'm gonna I'm gonna draw a container like this. Okay, this is the base. And I'm gonna call it the mind, the mind base. Okay, I'm gonna call this the mind base. This vipaka hits the mind base. Okay, or say Rupa and I hits the mind base, and out of that, this consciousness is born. So these two come into contact, okay, at the mind base, and this consciousness is born. If this is clean, untainted, what is clean and untainted? The mind base, if this is clean, clear, untainted, like that glass of water that you offer in the morning to the Buddha, then this consciousness that arises, this side consciousness that is also clean, untainted and pure, it simply serves its purpose of what are they? Receiving, registering, recognizing, responding and perceiving. It simply performs that function and then it passes away. Nothing else to do. But, if this mind base is not clean, if it is not pure, if it is tainted, or rather if it is defiled, what we call keles, defilements, if it is defiled, now what happens is, the consciousness that is born is also defiled. Because it picks up defilements from the base. It picks up defilements from the base. And then, this consciousness now, this chitta that arises now, its function is not simply doing the five-step process on this, on this rupa, but it does something more than that. Which is when we say, it's not what its own business. It's not minding its own business. It's gone beyond, a step further than that. If all it did was this, then it's minding its own business. Its, its purpose was to process this rupa. But now, if this base is defiled, then it will go a step beyond that and start doing something that it's not supposed to do. Right. Now, where does all this, how does all this help us to understand how habits form? It is always the environment that attracts Vipaka. Let me give you a, a simple example of that. 
You see, <clears throat> you hear that? You heard that because you were all in the same environment. That's why you all heard it. If one of you walked out of the room a moment before I did that, you still have an ear, but the environment has now changed, and therefore you wouldn't have heard that. In case you were dozing off, you, are, you wouldn't have heard that either. Hint, hint. So, this sound you hear because this environment enables you to receive this, which is now, sorry, this sound, Saddharupa. Okay? So, it is the environment that will attract the Vipaka. Your mind base is also an environment. Your mind base is an environment. That is why if your mind base is tainted by defiling uh, by uh, defiling factors such as or the unwholesome roots you'll study, so perhaps if you've done any Abhidhamma study, they'll say they're called the unwholesome roots. Loba, dosa and more. If your mind has these unwholesome roots then your mind base is defiled and therefore the vipaka that attracts the vipaka that attracts will be akin to that will be of similar nature for instance let's say um, you're standing next to someone and you accidentally step on their toes If that person is an arahant, do you think they would ever retaliate, hit you back or step on your toes? No, they wouldn't do that. Stepping on your toes or you stopping, stepping on their toes are both vipaka. That is not the karma part. That is both, they are all vipaka. Because, again, it's physical sensation, body, right? Those two come into contact and the mind is born as a result of that. So, this con contact, touch, this physical touch is all vipaka. Just as much as hearing is vipaka, seeing is vipaka, tasting and smelling is vipaka and then physical touch is also vipaka. So, if you were to step on someone's toes, that is a vipaka. If they then turn back and step on your toes, that is also vipaka. But, for that vipaka to be drawn to their mind. Now I'm going to draw the two people I'm talking about here. This is you. This is the other person. Okay, this is you. This is the other person. You just stepped on their toes. Now for them to inflict a similar vipaka on you. Let's say you did it by mistake. It was not deliberate. It was simply vipaka. That's why you turn around and say, Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't even see you there. I'm so sorry, it was unintentional. Yeah, that's what you'd say, right? It was unintentional, didn't think about it, I'm so sorry. But they could intentionally deliver that vipaka to you, couldn't they? But it would only happen, you know it wouldn't happen if they were an arahant. So why would they do it if they're not an, if they're not an arahant, if they're not someone who practices loving kindness, if they're not someone who practices compassion, if they're someone who gets angry, Remember how your dog knows that you had a bad day at work? 
Hmm? Yeah. <laughs> so if this person gets angry, now they can become a magnet for a certain kind of vipaka. This person, this person's body, so this is your body, your body was a magnet for this person's body, for this person to experience that physical pain when you, when you uh, stepped on their toes. That was your body because you didn't think about doing it. But this person could retaliate, do the same thing back to you if their mind, their mind base is defiled with aversion, delusion and desire. So if they are someone who gets angry at something like that, now what's going to happen is, Vipaka, that was always yours. It was not meant to, you know, if you didn't have that Vipaka, it's not going to come back to you. But if that Vipaka is somehow connected to you, now what this person's mind base can do is deliver that Vipaka onto your foot. Or maybe give you a slap. Or give you a knock. Whatever. So this is how you know, you know, say children at school, right? Say you get into fights, if you've ever gotten into fights, right? When the teacher comes, you'll say, uh, he hit me, so I hit him. Now the teacher has to establish who was at fault, right? So they'll ask, why did you hit? I hit him because I hit him back, he hit me, so I hit him. But what you're really saying is, my mind base is defiled. <coughs> my mind base is defiled, therefore, when I got hit, I couldn't stop that hitting Vipaka of the other person being attracted to my mind because my mind base is defiled. In other words, really, what you're doing is just, you know, it's, this is, you're doing self-insult. You're insulting yourself when you say, I hit him because he hit me. Isn't that right? I hit him because he hit me. When you're saying that, what you're really saying is, I'm just a terrible person. I'm such a terrible person that that person, you know, maybe sometimes his, his, uh, you know, his arm hit you by mistake. That guy was just playing around, right? He was just, you know, doing a turn or something and then his arm hit you by mistake. I've, I've been there. The first time I hit someone, it was a girl. Can you believe it? Rather embarrassingly. I didn't know she was a girl. She had a haircut, very short hair. I thought, actually, I actually thought she was a boy. So what happened? We were playing cricket and she threw something at me. She didn't know I was there. It was purely by accident. She threw something at me. I thought she was, she hit me, attacked me. And then what I, what I did was I took the ball that was in my hand and just whacked it at her. And then later on, someone came and asked me, don't you have any shame? I said, why? Hitting girls? I never hit a girl. Yes, you just hit her. She's a girl? <laughs> That's when I realized girls also, there are girls who have short hair. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know that girls had short hair until then. So you see, when you confess and say, I, I hit him because he hit me, what you're really doing is self-insult. You're saying, I'm a terrible person. That person did it unintentionally. It was just a mistake. It was simply an accident, but I did it deliberately. I attacked, I retaliated. Where did that Vipaka come from? That Vipaka is always theirs. Yours. If you got hit, it was your Vipaka. But mind base of this person, the mind base of this person attracted 
attracted a hitting vipaka. So there's hitting and there's being hit, right? These are the two counterparts, right? There's one hitting and there's the other being hit. That's the, the two sides of this coin. So the hitting vipaka is attracted to this mind base because this mind base is defiled and it is impure. Now you understand, you understood that. Let's talk about the habit mechanism. So what's the relevance of all this to habit? <clears throat> I'll draw the Vipaka again. This is your mind base. I'm going to, just for simplicity, draw different types of vipaka on the board. Okay, please understand that vipaka don't look like this at all, but it's just to explain a concept to you. These are three types of vipaka. Okay? Now let's look at the mind base. What kind of vipaka do you think this is going to attract? Number three. See, environment and vipaka. Now I've just explained to you how the environment attracts vipaka in the previous explanation. Okay? This is the mind base. This is the vipaka. If we change the environment, now, now number one. Change the environment again. Two. So depending on the environment, different vipaka will attract. What that means is, if there is a, there's a certain kind of vipaka that you don't want, here's the interesting part. If there's a certain kind of vipaka that you don't fancy, you can change the mind base. In other words, you can change the environment and prevent that from being attracted. Now, let's give this, let's imagine this is a habit. Okay, so this is a, these are habits. Habit 1, habit 2 and habit 3. A habit is simply a repeated acquired behavior. Okay, an acquired repeated behavior. So such as, let's say, biting your fingernails. Let's say this is a habit. Number three, this is biting fingernails. Number three is biting fingernails. If this is the mind base, this is the environment of the mind base, do you think at that, okay, on that, in that moment, biting fingernails will happen? No. See, generally speaking, don't people bite their fingernails either when they're nervous? Hmm? Or, especially if it's an exam. And you're nervous. Maybe when you, if you're watching a movie and you're on a, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a very uh, uh, you know, it's, an, it's, it's, a, it's a high uh, what do you call a, um, it's a moment where the, it's, it's a moment in the movie where there's a lot of action going on 
right? Perhaps the, the villain's chasing after the good guy or something going on there, and it's, it's really got you excited. You're, you're feeling very nervous, right? Then you start biting your fingernails. If you're waiting for someone or something, maybe say at the airport lounge, that's when you see your, you'll, you'll know that you bite your fingernails. I'm just talking about one example. Let's take another, perhaps the one, one that may be commonly felt by a few of you. Maybe the, the watching TV as soon as you get home from work. Okay? If that is this habit, whichever habit that you had in mind, I ask you to think of a habit that you have that you want to break. This habit, this habit will not be drawn if your mind base is of this shape. For that to be drawn, your mind base has to take a complementary shape. This. So, to simplify, to really sum that up, what I'm saying is, your mind base should be complementary to the vipaka, for that vipaka to be drawn. So, how does something become a habit though? This is how it becomes a habit. Whenever your mind base takes this shape, can you now stop this vipaka from drawing? Can you apply the handbrakes, metaphorically speaking? No, because if this is the mind base, mind base, then this is the vipaka that is going to attract this one and neither will this one. Okay? So, do you see now it's not you who's doing it? See, for, as I gave you the example earlier, you can't stop from hearing this. See? Because right now the environment is attracting this vipaka. Similarly, your mind base has an environment. This environment is the shape that it takes which attracts this vipaka. Now, how does it become a habit? It becomes a habit when this environment or this shape of the mind base happens over and over and over again. You then begin to realize that this keeps happening so many times over and over again. So, for example, the coming home and switching on the television. There's a series of activities that happens from you opening the door, right? Let's say you're standing right outside the door, you take the key from your bag, open the door, walk in, shut it, come through the living room, right, into the uh, TV area, and you switch on the television. You take, pick the remote up, maybe the remote is always on your uh, TPO, right, or the, uh, the, the stool somewhere, you take it up and you switch it on, and you just sit down on your sofa. These vipakas, they have been lined up sequentially. Time and time again, because it has been repetitively done over and over again, these vipakas, now they have a clear sequence. In fact, this is a path of very little, if no, friction. It's a frictionless path. So what happens is, let's imagine... Each of these is a different vipaka, okay? So this is switching on the television. This is picking up the remote, let's say. And this is uh, walking through the front door. Okay, I'm, I'm you know, simplifying this by a large amount, but just for, for you to understand. This is walking through the front door, picking up your remote and switching on the television. Okay? What happens is, your mind base first starts with this. The moment this happens, now this vipaka drops in here. Immediately afterwards, the remote is also quite close to you. So next what happens is, your mind base 
shift to this, shifts to this one. Now this one drops. Immediately afterwards, your mind base shifts to this. And now this one drops. This sequence has been done so many times over that it has now become what we call a habit. But let's look at it analytically. They are simply individual vipakas that draw one after the other. At no point, folks, will two vipakas come at the same time. That doesn't happen. So really, if you think what a habit is, it's not, a, you know, it's not a, an aggregation of stuff that happens together, three-dimensionally speaking. You can, you can understand that conventionally, but really what goes on under the, under the screen is these are individual vipakas that are drawn one at a time, but what happens is this change in mind base has been almost programmatically been sequenced so that one comes after the other. So, the most important part. This is the million dollar question. So how do you break a habit then? To break a habit, the first and most important thing you need to understand is what I have just already explained to you. This is not you who's doing this. It's not you who's doing this. The most important thing to understand here is it is simply Vipaka being drawn to a mind base that is complementary to that Vipaka. So, if you want to break this sequence, let's say the watching TV is the, t is the part that you want to break, you can't not watch TV if you've picked up the remote. Yeah? Once you've picked up the remote, you, will ha you, will, you can't stop yourself from switching it on. You can't switch it on if you don't walk through the front door. <laughs> also, but what then? Walk through the, your neighbor's front door? <laughs> That's not an answer. So, you have to work out where you want to break this conditioning. This is a conditioning. You have to work out where you want to break this conditioning. Now, this is the part you have to do this deliberately. So, you, you can, this is, this is the planning stage of your habit re-engineering. Okay? This is the planning stage of your habit re-engineering. You got to work out which, at which point do you want to break this? Because you can't stop this. It's not practical. You have to walk through the front door as you've always done. But if you were to change number two, number three will not happen after that. I say that with a caveat. I'll come back to that in just a moment. The sequence has been programmed this way. This is a program. This is the, because there is no friction now. You don't have to think about it. It has become almost What's the word? Automagical. This has become automagical. So, at the moment number two happens, then number three will immediately follow suit. So, in case you want to stop number three from happening, what you need to do is stop number two from happening. So, how can you, how can you, how can you overcome this? By simple, there, there's a simple way. Madam? Simple as. You might ask, well, why am I making such a big deal out of it? And simply, you just change one part of the behavior. Haven't you tried many times to do that? But it never worked. That is why there are still some habits that you wanted to break out of, but you're still doing them. It's because you didn't understand it from this perspective. Once you realize that this is simply a stream of Vipaka that is following a sequence that has been practiced, now you begin to understand that this is not me. 
that is doing this. It's simply a process that's happening. That bring that l- gives you a, a different light in which to look at this. So, if you were to put the remote somewhere else, I know some people who will unplug the television before they, you know, after they, as soon as they watch TV, what they'll do is they'll unplug their television, not just switch it off from the switch, they'll unplug it. And then they go wherever, and then they come back. Now they have to plug the switch back, or put the switch back into the wall, or the, 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 the cable back into the wall, the plug, right? Otherwise, of course, you can't watch TV. Now, that is another pathway. So the plugging the TV back into the socket, that is going to be another shape. Let's say it's something like this. This Vipaka, you have to draw by changing this mind base to take that complementary shape. But it's not a sequence that has already been done. These parts, ladies and gentlemen, these parts, they once you start doing them, they become like highways. The more you keep drawing the same path, it becomes like a highway. All obstacles. Because the first time you try and do something, it's very difficult, right? If you, if you can remember the first time you went and asked out someone, asked someone out rather, right? it was very difficult to do it the first time. But after a while, you keep doing it a few times, it becomes easier. That's because, it's not simply because you know you become more, I don't know, uh, you know, you become more brave or courageous, but rather, it's a part that you have practiced. Now, a really good example of this is something we'll be doing with our CUMA students in the near future. We've got it planned for in a, in a few weeks' time, where I mentioned this a while ago, we know that our children today live in a world of predators, right? So we want to teach our young children to react, respond correctly in the event that they become exploited or abused, either to drugs, sex. Pornography. To do that, the child has to be familiar, be accustomed to a path of vipaka. For instance, what we're going, what we're planning on doing is giving you a card, your child a card. So it will have two sides. One side will be one color, the other side will be another color. Let's say green and red. Okay. So the child will have this card. We'll give the child a card. And we will practice in the Dhamma school the child walking up to an adult or a parent in, in this case and giving the card, turning the right side up. Either it's a green side or the red side. Okay, so if you are happy, you can turn the green side up. If you are not happy, something's wrong, you can turn the, right, the, the red side up. But if you simply give the child a card and say, you know, if ever something happens to you, go to your parents, your mother or your father, and just give, the, give them the card. And we don't practice that. It's going to be a hurdle for the child. It's going to be an obstacle. It's going to be something that the child has not done before because there will not be a super highway for that. So what we, plan, what we will be doing here is practicing that plentifully. Every day they come in, we will practice it. They'll walk up and give, them, give us the card. Again, the following day, they'll walk up and give us the card. Again, they'll come and walk up and give us the card. Get used to doing it. We will ask them to do it at home. 
We'll ask our parents to make sure that they do that their children do this at home, right? Walk up to your, ch- your mother, your father, give them the card. So what happens is well, the more times you keep doing this, this pathway becomes a path of little to no resistance. Therefore, in the event that the child is actually abused, exploited, now let me finish my sentence before I jump to the next example. In the, in the event that the child is abused, actually now he doesn't, he or she doesn't have to think about going home, what do I do now, where's that card, what was my mother going to think, what's my fa- father going to think, is it going to be okay, is this the right time, is, you know, should I be doing it after dinner, should I be doing it next morning, you know, these are all going to be obstacles on the child's path to actually achieving the desired outcome. So, you know, to prevent doing that, we will help the child do it many times, many times over, time and time and time again, so that in the event that he, actually, he or she actually has to be in this situation, it becomes a path of least or minimum resistance. No friction. Therefore, it's so simple for the child to just go and give it to the father, to the mother. And let the, the adult, the, the responsible adult know that something's not right with them, so that the parent can then work out what, what's wrong with them. And in the, in the classroom, in the, in the Dhamma school, we are going to teach the children what good is and what bad is. There are good ways in which a parent can touch you, and there are bad ways in which an adult or someone else could touch you. There's a safe touch and there's an unsafe touch. There's, there are good things that someone can show you and there are bad things that someone can show you. Hmm? These things, we don't show, go around showing each other. Right? If there's a part of your body that is uncovered, generally, face, nothing wrong with that. But there are parts of your body that are covered normally. So there's no reason why a child should see another person's body, especially a part of the body that is covered. So we teach this to the child. We teach this to the child and we get them to learn, get them to understand what they need to do in the event that this happens. When We, we also teach the child by giving them something. Something that is not safe. Right? A notebook, fair enough. A pencil, Fair enough. But a toffee. Huh? From a stranger. That's not safe. But these things we have to teach them so that these parts, these vipaka parts are practiced, practiced, practiced time and time again so that this sequence of vipaka, because you see, you know, walking up to your parents and giving them the card, Raising that alarm is, is a sequence, a series of activities, folks. It's not just one thing the child has to do. So many things, do you know? You know, right from getting onto the school bus, going back home, right, and walking in through the front door, taking off their school bag, putting it on the, in, their, in, their, in their study, walking out of it, going to their mother who's, who may be busy or at work or maybe she hasn't, you know, she's cooking in the kitchen and then going and talking up to her and then she's busy. What do I do at this? You know, all of these things the child will have to think about. But all this thinking the child has to do because this path has not been traversed time and time and time again. But if we keep doing it over and over again, it becomes a path of very little resistance. So that's a sidetrack. Coming back to the point I was going to say, if you have habits, whatever those habits are, good habits, bad habits, I explained to you a habit that I have in the morning. Wake up, make my bed. This is what has happened now. There's a sequence of vipaka that have been streamlined 
so that there is no resistance at all. One after the other, after the other, after the other, each vipaka transforming the mind base so that it's ready to accept the next one. So what do I mean by that? Let's say this is waking up in the morning. This is hands clasped on my forehead. Okay, or, or sorry, let's say getting out of bed. And this is making my bed. Okay, so these are the three things. What happens is, of course, waking up in the morning, that the alarm does. Okay, so the moment the alarm goes off, now this vipaka drops. What this vipaka does is, as it leaves, in other words, as it passes away, it leaves the mind in this shape. That's what it does. It leaves the mind base in this shape. So what's the next vipaka that can draw now? Very naturally, it's number two, right? So number two now comes in. And when number two comes in, and it passes away, it leaves the mind in this shape. And now you have the third vipaka coming in, which is the making my bed. Each of these vipakas, they change the mind base, ready to accept the next vipaka. That is what you call a habit. Because remember, it's not an aggregation of vipaka. Never will you have more than one vipaka come and land on your mind at any given time. It's always going to be one on any occasion. What you call a vipa, what you call a habit, are simply vipakas that come and make room for the next vipaka. That makes room for the next vipaka. That changes the mind base to the next vipaka, and so on. And that's how you form a habit, either a good habit or a bad habit. Some people are in the habit of having a smoke. You know, if it's raining, that's a habit that the people have. Some people are in the habit of, uh, you know, taking a drink if someone comes home. If they have a friend visit them, the moment they walk through, they, you know, it's almost like you can't stop yourself from doing it. Would you like something to drink? Maybe that's a habit that you want to break. But what happens is, because these vipakas have come in this sequence a few times over, Initially, when you wanted to do them, initially you had to think about them. It didn't all, you know, right from the start, it didn't come in that sequence. You had to think about it. But if you kept doing it a few times over, now what happens is each vipaka shapes the mind to take, accept the next vipaka, that shapes the mind to accept the next vipaka, that shapes the mind to accept the next vipaka, and so on. Until that pattern comes to an end. And then after that, you're free to do whatever you want. Now, Having said all that, is, is it all clear until that point? Any questions? Sir? Yeah. Yes. If, if it's a habit that you want to build, so, I'm to, so say this is a habit you want to build, then what happens now is this vipaka doesn't create the shape for this vipaka. That is the problem. If it's a habit you want to break, then what's happening now is this vipaka makes the environment for this vipaka. So you want to break that habit. So making habits and breaking habits, either way you want to do it, right? So if it doesn't happen, then you have to, your drushti is what's going to help you in this place. Both drushti, so these are your views, and one other thing, your determination or resolve. This is what we call virya. Right? There's a, there's a chaitasika for this, a mental factor called the virya chaitasika. Your drushti or your views 
because again view your uh, a view that you hold is it influences your mind base the shape of your mind for instance you know that when it's raining outside you got to take a what with you an umbrella with you this is a view that you have you see it might be that at some point in your life you didn't have this view so therefore you just walked out in the rain and then one at one fine point you realize that you learned in other words take took this view that if it's raining outside you should take an umbrella so that view now what it did to your mind base was it it it, it created that vipaka pattern so therefore next time it rains now the vipaka that comes is filtered by these views so it's as if the views that you hold in fact your mind base is a is a combination of various things one of the things that's in there are your views there'll be lots of other things that make up your the the composition of your mind base but your views are an important part of what your mind base is now you know here this is a very simple representation of your mind remember this is not just one of these shapes okay so it's always one vipaka that is true but there are so many different kinds of shapes and if if you know we are representing this by shape there are a million a myriad types of shapes types of shapes that your mind can take each one influenced by views right as well as uh, the, these habit patterns okay <clears throat> so what if now let's say this is a habit that you want to build but you you want one and two to happen after one and three so this is making your bed as you wake after you wake up in the morning right now you're waking up in the morning the alarm does no problem getting out of bed also you do no problem but the making your bed doesn't happen yet what you need to do is if it's your child for example you teach the child but this is a really good thing to do as i have done in the morning you know this is a good habit that i have it has helped me done do amazing things with my life and it's a really progressive and proactive and really wonderful habit to have in your life it helps you know the good books the seminars the talks right all of these things they fill the mind with views about something that goes into your mind base so whatever view you have accepted from what i have told you this morning that has gone into your mind base now i know that there will be some of you who when they go back home they'll start making their beds from tomorrow morning if you haven't been doing it up until now because this view is now implanted in there but you have to accept that view if you whole wholly and completely reject that view then it's not going to happen it'll go into memory but memory is not necessarily your mind base it has not inf- it has not made a change in your mind base every view that comes to you will have an influence on it but not necessarily change it to change it the mind has to accept that view fair enough so the views that now come into your mind but a view al- alone cannot create new patterns vipaka patterns for that to happen you need this determination resolve what that does is you now have a view that you want to do you want to make your bed soon after you get up or get out of bed in the morning if it's not something that is that has become a pattern you have the view next you know you will know this when you are in that situation you have to do it by force no one is there to force you but you have to force yourself to do something yeah it's like say going to the gym been there done that yeah you all know what i'm talking about 
and maybe after work or first thing in the morning, that going to the gym, until it becomes a habit, you really have to force yourself. Because on the one hand, there's the, the physical exertion which is painful. right? Uh, that, or some people find it boring, like I used to. But you have to force yourself to do it. That is where the determination comes in. Because, because there will be some behavior, some patterns that have already taken place and you need to change them in order to, fi- to force another behavior on top. That requires a lot of determination. This is where virya comes in. Some people will have enough resolve, determination in their minds that they don't need to change, the, change where they put their remotes to, to stop switching on the television. Because what this determination can do, folks, this is a, this is a mental factor, or chaitasika. This mental factor, some people have it so strongly that it's enough to just give them the view. Just give them the view and this determination will immediately change the mindset, the mind base. That requires a lot of determination. And this determination again is something that can be practiced. It's a paramita, a virya paramita. You'll have heard it, heard of it. But if you don't have it to the degree, you'll know it if you don't have a lot of it. It's, it's pretty obvious. Try and change something that you do as a behavior, as a, as, a, as a habit. If it's difficult to do and you really want to do it, then you know that this is not strong enough yet. Okay? This is not strong enough. So, what do you do? Just give up? No, I'm showing you an alternative. The alternative is change the environment. Because it's the environment that, is, that supports this, beha- this behavior. Without the environment, this, this vipaka cannot be drawn. For instance, if it's making your, uh, if it's a uh, watching TV that you want to do, you know, unplugging your TV from the wall is changing the environment because there is no vipaka pattern just yet that involves you going in through your front door, plugging the TV back into the wall, then picking your remote up and switching it on. That Vipaka pattern has not been established yet. You could, if you kept doing it a few times, you'll have been there on some, you know, I know you'll have, you'll have some of these experiences, right? Where you've tried to change a behavior, uh, a habit, and say, for example, you use your phone too much, maybe you switch it off. You will have been in this situation, I know this, because, well, guess how I know, right? Where you'll actually go ahead and switch on your mobile phone and use it, and then switch it back on, and then go about and do your own thing. After a while, even that can become a new habit. But the beauty of this is, if you want to change this habit, right, that one change that you make in that pattern will give you some time, maybe a few days, in which this pattern, this, 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 this pattern has not yet been cemented. Therefore, you can make a change with the little amount of resolve and determination that you have. So this is for people for whom determination and resolve are not that strong enough yet. But if you are someone who's, who has a strong resolve, a strong determination, then uh, the view is simply enough. You know, like the Bodhisattva, for instance. He sat down and he thought, I'm not going to get up until and unless. His determination was so strong because it was something that he had practiced for a long time. How do you grow this? How do you make this stronger? Here's the bonus lesson. 
Because after all, what I have explained to you so far, which is changing the environment, does not help you to grow this, this factor, this faculty even. Your faculty of resolve, determination, effort, right? It does not help you with that. When you change the environment, all that happens is these behavioral patterns or these vipaka patterns are interrupted, giving you some leeway, some time to take on board new views and hopefully slowly, slowly over time grow your determination, grow your resolve. Because the truth is, right, if, the, if there's nothing you're attached to, now you don't need any determination, do you? If there's nothing you're attached to? Huh? If you're not attached to watching, watching TV, why do you need determination to not watch TV? You don't need it. So, what I have explained to you thus far will give you some leeway, so will give you some breathing space to take on board new views and to just, you know, seep into determination eventually, gradually, over time, while it develops. But, if you want to really do magic on this, this is the, this is the hard part. This is tough. This is tough what I'm just going to tell you. But, it's the only way that this can grow in leaps and bounds. That is, even when the environment is, environment is conducive to your doing something, using the view that you hold as, as true, you not do it at all. So, for example, TV is plugged in, remote is there, right? So, what you have been become used to doing is going into the work, living room, taking the remote and switching it on. It takes a great amount of resolve, courage, determination and effort to not do that without unplugging the TV. Every time you do that, what is this, that now? Without changing any environmental factor, without changing any environmental factor, if you not watch or not switch on the TV, what that does is, this gets a huge boost. Because now, the environment is ready for this Vipaka to drop. But here's what happens. Determination itself will change the shape. Through determination itself, you change the shape of the mind base. Now, this is very difficult. It's not easy, but it helps to grow this faculty of determination, this resolve factor. This is the virya. So, in any time in life, folks, if you are someone who's interested, because, you know, you need to do this. You know, by hook or by crook, you have to do it. Either you do it over time, slowly with the, with the drushti, right? Maybe over a million years, you can keep doing this. But, if you want to really go that extra mile and achieve. You know, look at some of the Anagarika Mahathyas who've come here. You can't tell, you can't say that they all came here having completely mentally renounced their lay lives. Hmm? That's how we, you know, we know that. So, having come here, they'll still have times where they want to do things. Like, you know, some of our young Anagarika Mahathyas, you know, there have been times where they said, I want to play computer games. I want to eat this. I want to be with my friends. I want to watch TV. I want to listen to music. I still want to listen to music. They'll come and tell me. What we help them do is work with that. Because, you know, we might be able to give them, if they're, if they're feeling hungry, we might be able to give them a biscuit and a cup of tea in the evening. That's fair enough. But 
I don't have a television to show them if they want to watch TV. I don't have computer games to give them if they want to play computer games. I don't have a girlfriend to give them in case they feel like they want to spend some time with their girlfriend. We don't have that. So whenever they ask for that, if ever they ask for that, the answer is this. Work on your determination. Work on your resolve. We help them with the views. I will keep talking to them about the uselessness, the emptiness, the, the essencelessness of what they're asking for. That those views will help them to grow their resolve, their determination. But in the end, what really helps to boost this is the continued application of this. It's like anything in your, uh, any part of your body. The more you use it, what happens? The stronger it becomes, right? Willpower is the same. Determination is the same. The more times you use it, the stronger that faculty becomes. It's an important part of your path to Nibbana. And there are times you find yourselves in life, folks, where there are habits you want to break. What I have shown you are two ways you can do it. One, if you are not of a strong, if you don't have a strong willpower, if you don't have strong determination resolve, you can resort to the second best option, which is to change the environment. So putting that remote away, unplugging the TV, huh? this can help. Or, you know, putting away the packet of cigarettes, you know, in another drawer where it's not easily accessible, putting it on the, you know, the, the furthest uh, shelf as far as we possibly can, where you can't reach it, or, you know, digging a, a, a hole in the ground and sticking it there. You know, these are things you can do. You can if you really want to. What that does is change the environment. That changes the environment because there's no pattern for you to follow with no resistance. If you change the behavior, if you change the, the environment, now a new pattern has to develop over time. In that time, in that time, here's the important part, in that time, you can do this. Take new views and start practicing it. Okay? But if you want, to, if you are someone who wishes to accelerate your journey to Nibbana, then you'll have to work on this. What is this? When everything is just the way it is, everything is just the way it is, you still won't do it. How so? Your view is that I will not do it. Your determination, allow your determination to take over and allow that to go and change your mind base. If you leave, if you allow determination to change your mind base, it changes it for good. That change is more long-lasting than simply a change in environment. The essence of today's talk is, this is not you. None of this is you. That's why if you say, I have a habit that I can't come out of or break, yeah, well, yeah, because it's not you who has the habit to come out of or break, because it was not you who picked it up. Habits are simply patterns of vipaka. These are Vipaka paths. These paths have been paved through repetitive access. That is what's happened. You know, it's like a small path. You know, if you say, say you have a well uh, at home and there might be a small path, you know, from your kitchen or your, your you know, your somewhere to, to, the, to, your, to, the, to the well. That will be a small footpath, right? But if you keep going on it several times, now it becomes a paved path, Right? And these are, this is how today we have roads and highways. Once upon a time, they were simply footpaths. 
But today there are highways. How so? More access means the path becomes cleared and it becomes more accessible. And the mind is simply the same. These vipakas, every time you, 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 you follow that pattern of vipaka, the path becomes fine-tuned. It becomes more, the more you access it, it becomes clearer and it becomes obstruction-free. It becomes obstacle-free and it becomes resistance-free. So what do you do then if you have a habit that you want to break? What are the practical steps? First, identify that habit that you want to break. Right? So for that, you need to, take a, you need to make a, do a self-evaluation of yourself. Parents can help their children with this. Okay? And remember, your child is not... You know, there may be some times where, where parents want children to, do, to stop doing things then and there immediately. Please understand why it's not possible. Hmm? That's one for you. Okay? Please understand why it's not possible to immediately stop doing something. Because it's not them who's doing it to stop doing it. You can punish them, right? And then for fear of punishment, they may not do it. But the need and the want to do it is still inside. And they're only mentally suffering now. What's really happened is your suffering has now transformed to their suffering. You didn't want it, so therefore you, you've, you've warned that you're going to punish them. Now it becomes their punishment and now they're suffering because they still want to do it but they can't do it because you're going to hit them that's why it's not long lasting and it's not it's not the best way to go about doing something so what's the alternative first identify the behavior that you want to break second work out what are the steps what is the environment that attracts you to that vipaka pattern there'll be a certain environment that 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 contributes to that is it, is it the time of day? Is it the weather? Is it the people that you surround yourselves with? Hmm? Is it the, the way you laid out your table? For some of you, it might be that. Say you, are, you, know, you, you planned your day to do a lot of work today. You, you, know, you sit down in front of your table on your desk or opposite your desk and you want to focus on your work. But on your desk, you have your mobile phone. You have your pictures from your, your family photographs, your uh, photo albums, you know, friends, whatever. You have your mobile phone that always keeps alerting yourself to messages and whatnot. Right? On, your fa- on your computer, you have your Facebook and you have these apps and whatnot. Right? These are all environmental factors which will keep drawing you into various Vipaka patterns. This is why they ask for a, um, a clear desk. A clear desk always helps when you want to apply yourself to some work and you want to do you know, deep work and so on. Right? A clear desk is always a good policy to have because a clear desk means there are no environmental factors that draw you outside of the path that you want to take. That's why it helps. So identify the environment that continues to draw you into these behavioral patterns. Once you've identified them, line them up. What is the sequence in which this happens? What is the sequence in which this happens? As we've taken an example of you coming home and watching TV. Or good, if it's a good behavior, you know, waking up in the morning, offering that gilampasa to the Buddha, so on. What is, that, what is that behavior pattern that you want to either make or break? Okay? And if it's a behavior pattern that you want to break, now understand that it's always the mind base that is responsible for these vipakas to be drawn. Only one at a given time. All you need to do is change one. If you change just one, one of these vipakas from being drawn, sorry, from being drawn, yes, from being drawn, if you just change one vipaka, 
then that vipaka pattern now changes and it buys you some time for the new vipaka pattern to actually become a pattern and in other words become a habit in that time you can go about and create a new habit which is helpful which is more productive which is more healthy i agree as i said right at the beginning habits cannot be broken they can only be replaced whether you know it or not really everything you do is in a habit right from waking up in the morning to going to bed that night if you just take a moment to think about how much of what you do are habits you'll be surprised you'll be amazed which you know where you sit in on the dining table at the dining table they just think about it that's a behavior that's a that's a habit the way you hold your mug that's a habit where you start eating when you serve yourself your food that's a habit this think about it how you you know the the path that you take after you go into your washroom that's a habit the the the, the path you take once you enter your your home after you know uh, after after work that's a habit where you go and sit and how you how you start your day out at work that's a habit so for some of you it might be first opening up outlook for others it might be opening up your word documents for others it might be you know giving making some calls these are all habits folks when you come into the monastery just think about where you go and park your vehicle and what you do after that habits these are all habits where you choose to sit when you come here when you go into a sermon these are habits why are they why do we resort to habits it's because there's very little friction you don't have to think about it because we don't like to keep thinking about things we don't like to so once it becomes a habit it's just one after the other vipakas create the environment for the next vipaka and that for the next vipaka and that for the next vipaka and before you know it you are already on that path that's why they say if you don't plan your life then you are working to someone else's plan have you heard that yeah so you see if you don't plan what actions you want to take after which you are already in another plan which is the vipaka pattern or the habitual patterns some habits are helpful they are good they are healthy other habits are unhelpful unwholesome unhealthy examine yourself understand what those habits are and then you can change them because it has a huge influence on where you'll end up in a few years from now that may be a year from now maybe 5 10 15 20 years from now it will decide where you yeah it will decide your last resting place what habits you pick up today the habits i pick up has decided what my resting place is the habits that you have picked up the habits that you will continue will decide what your last resting place is that's what we are we are creatures of habit and that is the truth what i wanted to explain to you today was how that all works from a three dimensional perspective it's it's true we 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 accepted it we worked through it and we we went with it went along with it but today we understand through our analysis of the mind what these habits are and the fact that they can be altered they can be changed they can be replaced they can be reengineered what you need to understand is how the whole thing works and how it all hangs together i wanted to play this game with you but seems we don't have enough time today maybe we'll do that next week were you in uh, the sunday morning sermon any of you question yes sir
Um, okay, so uh, I'll give a brief answer to that question, sir, just in the interest of time. So we know we understand there's there are what is a ping and kusa, yeah, merits and the let's say the I don't know what the word for kusal is. Cleansing the mind, okay. What both karma and kusal they both do is they have an influence on the mind base. They both have an influence on the mind base. If this is, I'm going to take this out. If this is the mind, this is the mind base, and these are basically the, uh, let's say, the, the, the constituents of your mind base. So here you'll have Loba Dosa Moha, in other words, uh, desire, aversion, and delusion. Okay, and you'll have aloba dosa moha. So non desire, aversion, and delusion. Okay, these are the factors that chiefly, primarily influence your mind base. This, this is what your you know your the the temperament of your mind mind base will be determined by by these factors. If you consider this to be the unwholesome roots and these to be the wholesome roots, what they'll do is they'll, they'll, uh, they'll change the composition of your mind base. So the, this is the, the bad stuff, this is the good stuff. Okay. What desire, aversion and delusion will do is it will corrupt the mind base, continuing to defile it. Remember we talked about how Vipaka, uh, so for example, eye plus ear, and they come into contact with the mind base and the mind base is now able to then have an effect on the actual consciousness that's born out of it right so it 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 either it it uh, um it can taint it can taint the mind the or the chitta using the composition that's in the mind base okay so if it's lobadosa and moha now the consciousness that comes out of it, the chitta that comes out of it, will be a defiling consciousness, or what we call unwholesome chittas. And on the other hand, where it's non-desire, non-aversion, and non-delusion, these are the wholesome roots. What they'll do is they won't completely rid this, but they'll clean it, or rather purify it. Um, from a worldly perspective, it's simply changing the composition. It's it's a bit like imagine. Um, there was a so hydrogen cyanide okay so the uh, elements are carbon hydrogen oxygen and nitrogen i can't remember the formula is that right H, what hcm thank you thank you very much hcm is hydrogen cyanide hcm okay so this is your uh, formula for hydrogen cyanide this is the you know this is harmful right you take this and that's it This you can consider to be desire, aversion, delusion. It's harmful. What 
non-desire, non-aversion, non-delusion can do is change the composition of this to something that is not harmful. It doesn't read it. So, for instance, it could maybe uh, produce, uh, I should have used a more familiar example. Uh, let's say, let me take a simple, another, uh, okay, let's take, okay, let's say alcohol. Alcohol is harmful. What is the uh, formula for ethanol? C, C, CH2OH. Yeah? Okay. Methanol. Okay. So, methanol is an alcohol which is harmful to the body. So, that is DAD, or desire, aversion, and delusion. Non desire, non aversion, and non delusion is simply changing the composition of this. Changing the composition of this to something that is harmless. It's not reading it altogether. Therefore, if you can go this way, where can you also go? The other way around. So, this, while we'll convert this to this, this can always put this back to this. You get that bit? Now, imagine the same idea here. If the mind base is lots of methanol, okay, that is because of desire, aversion and delusion, which is harmful to the mind, in our example, non-desire, non-aversion and non-delusion can convert this to some, some a harmless substance like water and carbon dioxide. But it doesn't rid the mind of those things that can eventually become something harmful. So, these will not harm you, it will not harm others. It will be something that is useful and helpful to others, whereas this will harm you and it will also harm others. So, this is, this is demerit and this is merit. Now, we have the third one, which is kusal, or the mental cleansers. Okay? What they will do is they'll completely take these things out altogether, thereby ridding the mind of, of defilements. Because when we talk about defilements, we can talk about defilements on, from two angles. There are worldly defilements and there are supramundane defilements. So, uh, what you call uh, both desire, aversion, and delusion, and non-desire, non-aversion, and non-delusion—they are both productive of suffering. How so? Because they both produce jati. They both produce jati because it's 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 a, it's a sentient being, someone who feels a presence that does good deeds and someone who does bad deeds. And arahant is someone who is, as we say, punya papa, pahinasa. They have eradicated the mind not of vipaka but they have eradicated the mind of uh, defilements in this mind base so kusal what it does is it empties the mind so remember this is not entirely emptying the mind okay so we don't we don't end up with nothingness what we end up is with a mind that is free of these components we end, we end up with a mind that is free of these components and it is simply a mind that can now take vipaka, and the vipaka goes back out. But because the mind base is now pure, it does not attract any vipaka that is harmful to, to another being. That is what it does. So what is merit then? 
it's converting this to something that is harmless. What is demerit? It's converting that back to something that is harmful. What is kusal? It is ridding the mind of those things and therefore having a mind that is no longer submissive or susceptible to being defiled. But it's not an empty mind, so I, I, I just want to make that clear. So an arahant is not, a, is not an empty mind, it's not a robot, it's not a machine. It's a mind that is still able to process vipaka. But what process does it do? Does it do the five steps. Receive, register, recognize, respond, and perceive. Now, that will leave us with one final question before we, good heavens, before we conclude. You might ask the question, well then, why does an arahant say, why does an arahant still do what we see as good deeds? For example, help someone, preach the Dhamma, right? Uh, maybe help someone who is in trouble, or offer alms to another person, attend to the poor, attend to the sick and so on. Why does an Arahant do those things? That will be an interesting question to ask because if, if there is Punya Pava Pahinas, then why does an Arahant still do good deeds? The reason for that is again, because the mind is now clear, the mind is now pure, there is no, there is no reason for now this mind to attract any demeritorious vipakas of other people, other individuals. But now it attracts the merits of other people. Why so? Because that is what has been practiced over time. On becoming an arahant, or to become an arahant, what did the mind do? Keep on practicing the paramitas. Right? So, equanimity, charity, patience, these are the things that the mind practiced. Therefore, now the mind base has been time and time again shaped into something that only attracts the good deeds or the, the, the good vipaka of people around, around him or her. That is why an arahant, even after becoming an arahant, continues to do the things that he or she did to becoming an arahant. Because the mind is now pure. Does that make sense? Okay. Right, I'm going to conclude there. Otherwise, you won't have enough time for the Buddha Puja. We will work with the example of the Scrabbles next week. Um, please, can you make sure it's available? Right. <clears throat> okay, let us take a moment then to transfer the merits that we have all acquired. First and foremost, by making offerings to the infinite virtues of the Noble Triple Gem and chanting Pirit, listening to the Dhamma and engaging in various meritorious deeds. Reminding ourselves how incredibly fortunate we are to be in receipt of the Lord Buddha's teaching and with immense gratitude, let us transfer these merits to the bhikkhus and bhikkhunis, upasakas and upasikas, who since time immemorial have protected and preserved the sublime teachings of the Buddha and passed it down through the generations of the Noble Lineage in the form of the Tripitaka which is thankfully available to us today to study, understand, and comprehend the Dhamma. Let us transmit we have acquired to all members of the Mahasangha present throughout the world, including the chief prelates of all of the chapters, who have dedicated their lives to the Noble Path and have committed themselves to the betterment of all sentient beings. Let us not forget that among them are the monks and nuns resident in your local temples and nunneries who have always been by your side, through thick and thin, come rain or shine. Let us transfer the mates we have acquired to Guru Swami Nuhanse, as well as all the teachers, and monks resident at this monastery, as well as the Anagarikas and Anagarikas attached to the monastery. Let us take a moment to transfer these mates and express our gratitude to those who make great efforts to disseminate the teachings of the Buddha, 
be there by transliterating these sermons, sharing them out with others or inviting others to join them. And may, through the power of these merits, if any of them have been born in the woeful plane, redeem themselves and be born in the blissful plane. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us take a moment to transmit we have acquired to our devotees, friends of the monastery, who for the sake of merits continue to sustain the Mahasangha. This includes everyone from those of you who have contributed to the construction of the monastery to those who have passed on their know-how to provide the Mahasangha with shelter, arms, robes and medicines as well as extend their well wishes. May it's the power of these merits they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path and may they all attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us take a moment to transmit to our mothers, fathers, husbands, wives, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, Grandparents, uncles, aunts, nephews, nieces, cousins, our elders, friends and acquaintances, employers and employees, and to all those who have helped, supported and assisted us along the way, by the power of these merits, may they be healed of any physical and mental ailments and overcome any obstacles to their spiritual progress. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sad, sad, sad. Let us also take a moment to transmit to the devas and brahmas, spirits and demons, primarily the Sakadeva, as well as all the numerous gods and deities who are committed to protect and fulfill the Samudha Sasana. Let us transmit to our guardian deities who keep a watchful eye over us and keep us out of harm's way. And may it the power of these merits, they prosper in divine power and wisdom. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds, fulfill the meritorious deeds, fulfill the noble eightfold path, and may they all attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us take a moment to transmit to our ancestors who have predeceased us and to all those who have been families, friends and acquaintances in this infinitely long journey in Sansara and to those who have helped, supported and assisted us along the way. Let us transmit to the members of the armed forces as well as the police force who have sacrificed their lives to protect the peace and harmony of our nation. And may all those who have lost their lives in the war be their friend or foe, rejoice in the maze we have acquired. Let us transmit to those who have lost their lives in the natural calamities such as the tsunamis and earthquakes, landslides, pandemics, forest fires, floods and so on. Reminding ourselves that among them will be those who have been friends and family to us in this long journey in Sansara. Let us take a moment to transfer merits to them. And may to the power of these merits, if any of them have been born in the woeful plains, they redeem themselves and be born in the blissful plain. May they abstain from the unmeritorious deeds. May they fulfill the meritorious deeds. May they practice the noble eightfold path and attain the supreme bliss of Nibbana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Let us all resolve, may through the power and the blessings of all the maids we have acquired throughout the day, we be able to witness the advent of many hundreds of thousands of Arahants on this blessed land. And finally, may through the power of all the maids we have acquired today, you and I and everyone who's helped make this program a success, become an Arahatan Nuhanse and Arahateran Nuhanse in this very life itself and in the era of the Gautama Supreme Buddha itself. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. May the blessings of the Noble Triple Gem be with you all. Just before I conclude, I have a small reminder to make, a short announcement. We've been planning on doing this for a long time, so we are so pleased to be able to finally achieve this success. From next Saturday, we will be starting the English Dhamma School at the monastery. Uh, several of you, maybe those who are known to you and so on, have submitted applications, so we have a, a fair number to begin the Dhamma School at the monastery. and. Uh, so it will be the same place, same time as the regular Singhala Dhamma School from uh, 2, 2 p.m. in the afternoon till Guru Swami Nuhansi's sermon concludes in the evening. So the Dhamma School, the English Dhamma School will begin at the monastery and uh, 
So if you have admitted your children, then they can come along. If there are still those who are interested, they can still make inquiries from uh, Mr. Harsha and uh, ask for an application form. And uh, when the next round of applications will be open, we can take applications and then process them and so on. So I just wanted to let you all know. It's, it's a moment we've been waiting for a long time and we are so pleased to be able to make it a success finally. Okay. Raga Ginnamidatnva Desha Ginnamidatnva Moha Ginnamidatnva Nibbana Parana Sukhayan Sukhita Tarvetnva Nibbana Parama Sukhayan Sukhita Tarvetnva Mamada Sialu Loka Sialu Satnvayo Nibbana Parama Sukhayan Sukhita Tarvetnva Nibbana Parama Sukhayan Sukhita Tarvetnva Nibbana Parama Sukhayan Sukhita Tarvetnva Raga Gini Niveva Desha Gini Niveva Moha Gini Niveva Nivansapa Ladeva Nivansapa Ladeva Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu.